Hey guys, Dan here. I want to say a massive thank you to our new sponsors, Fight Fuel UK. Fight Fuel UK are a sports supplement and clothing company for the boxing, MMA, and martial arts community. Be sure to check out their great products on fightfuel.co.uk. And remember, guys, by supporting our sponsors, you support the podcast. Thank you for listening and please enjoy this episode. So here we are with Callum Smith himself. How you doing, my friend? How you holding up? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, mate. You? Yeah, decent. How's your training been at the minute? You still doing anything at the minute? Um, mostly just running and cycling because obviously, what what's going on? Don't you have to be a professional to stay in the gym, don't you? Um, done a bit of jujitsu with a few people, but it's like it's like the black market, isn't it? Kind of at the moment. I mean, black market's a good sort of way of sort of wording it. Everyone's sort of a bit sort of hush hush about what they're doing. Like no one can sort of say you got any um training and stuff. It's all very much like you know, <laughs> you got any jits? I need that jits. Yeah. Regards of um pre lockdown, then what was going on with you? Were you like competing quite a lot? Were you just training? What's been going on in your world? Yeah, I wasn't competing quite a lot because obviously the last fight I had, I lost, and I I wanted to take time out to just improve mentally, physically. All those areas, the cliche areas that people say. And um, I got me purple belt in December and I thought it was time for me to really go back to fighting. And obviously in January, I started heavily going back into MMA because I was just doing jiu-jitsu for the year. And I was training for Almighty. They were doing a show on May 25th. And about eight weeks out, all went to shit because of this fight. I mean, this is where it gets quite tricky as well. I mean, like... Again, that transition from like jujitsu back to MMA again is always a funny one, because again, it's very much yeah. like you get used to, I don't know, certain things like playing your back, different kinds of urgency, and then you yeah. have to sort of you know switch on. Like, so with your training anyway, what was your jujitsu style like? Was it quite fluid? Was it mainly top heavy, mainly bottom heavy? How did you find it sort of transitioning to MMA? Um, when I started off, I started off primarily just MMA, and I was just a nat- like everyone has their natural gifts when it comes to MMA, no matter who you are, some people are best at striking, some people are best at grappling. I was just a good wrestler. I had the build for it. I'm small, I'm stocky, a lot like that like fishy style. I was like, you know what I mean? Like trying to get on top and keep position. But that's what I changed in my year off from MMA. I literally just started doing yoga, worked a lot of my leg locks, my guards, attention, that type of thing. And obviously, you know, it's still doing top pressure passing, but just build that confidence in case I am put on my back that I know what to do. And that's where I transitioned from a wrestling heavy game to a, a bottom guy, basically. I mean, I didn't want to make the comparison straight to Fishy, but, you know, we'll get there anyway. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're with the right people to get that kind of style as well, because obviously famously Paddy yeah. and um, Chrissy, and yeah. I said Chrissy, <laughs> Fishy's got that sort of, yeah. you know, smashing sort of, yeah. Our mutual yeah. friend Jonathan was telling me about um, what it's like sparring with um, Chris, and I don't want to rush yeah. to that anytime soon <laughs> so with your training at next gen then under rim and everything else everyone i've spoken to from next gen has got a real i don't know connection with paul he's got this kind of personal touch on how they develop their games have you had that much time with him to develop that yet or is it something you're still working through no i actually yeah i did to be honest with you when i first started the gym i was just a 16 17 year old fat kid and uh, <laughs> I used to know Paul myself because he used to own a gym with my uncle. So when I turned up, I was like, oh, I'm Sam Smith's nephew, like dead enthusiastic. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you're cool, mate. You know, sign in, £70 a month, you know, train these the classes. And I was like, yeah, I'm 
literally from my first few weeks, I just kept coming in every single day, three hours a day. I was losing weight. I, I was like, literally, it was about two months into training. I was like, so, so uh, Paul, uh, what, what's this about, like, you know, me getting to fight? And he was like, oh, let's see what we'll do, mate. We'll, um, we'll see how you're getting on. We want at least a year. But just come back to me when you've been training more and stuff like that. And literally, yeah, every two weeks, I'd be uh, asking him, even messaging him, going, uh, any news of any fights coming up? And he actually turned around to me and he went, why don't you come in morning class then? And I came the morning class and I remember turns up and there was Franny Green, uh, Sophie Keenan and a lad called Tom Owen who didn't train anymore. And he did a wrestling class and I was about 80k at the time and I got put with them. And they had all 60k. They were kids, two years below me, 15 year olds. I got my ass handed to me after. <laughs> I remember Paul said to me, he's like, are you ready to fight now? And I was like, um, soon. <laughs> I was just like, delusional. I was like, yeah, soon. I think I'll, I think I'll have a go, you know. But because I took down the lightest kid there, <laughs> it was like, listen, just keep coming in. You obviously game. He ripped down some goals with me. And we put those goals down. And some of them so far I've completed. So I've got a good relationship with Paul, yeah. And he's, developed my game a lot, he's given me a lot of time, he's helped me a lot, and he's let me help other people in that respect, you know, I've done a lot of training with Molly, trying to get it prepared for the fights, and that's where I've developed my game as well. I mean, there's so much in that as well, and I think that's a really good way of dealing with that kind of, like, beginner enthusiasm, because again, loads of people come into the gym, sort of ignorance is bliss, thinking, I want to fight, I want to fight, and it's good that he's managed to nurture that, but not kind of... He's giving you a sort of taste of reality without kind of putting you off as such. It's a good sort of mix there. And regards to your background before that, you're saying your uncle used to own a gym with him. How how often were you training prior to Next Gen? Was this all brand new? Was this something you've been in the world of? What's your connection with this then? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I used to just play footy once a week. That's it. Like, my uncle owns a bodybuilding gym. That's it. Like I, I'd go in and train legs once a week because I wanted big legs, but even that way I'm doing anything. You, know you got mean? the bodybuilding down just from the eating. You didn't, you didn't catch up with the yeah. training. Even. <laughs> the, the Pepsi Max. I used to drink about four liters of Pepsi Max a day, thinking I was healthy. So, oh god, I, I feel know. sick just hearing that. It's not right. <laughs> no. Oh, so oh. it's one of those ones though. It's good that you've you know started when you wanted to, not feeling pressured or pushed and stuff. Yeah. So. Definitely. So talk me through that first fight then. So again, you've been in this gym, you've got your enthusiasm, you've been sort of nurtured and sort of developed to the right sort of stage. First fight gets booked. What was that kind of preparation like? Like, was it quite tense? Was it a bit like, okay, I've got what I asked for. You're happy about it. What was your, I don't know, emotions like with that whole situation? It was tense because at the time I was, obviously I said to you before, I've lost a lot of weight and, I got to a point where I was about 76 kilos 10 weeks out and I was happy with my weight. I thought that was normal, you know, because, you know, you see the UFC fighters putting that much weight, like 10k over the camp. But, like, about three weeks out, I remember, everyone got weighed in the gym because that's what we do. And next gen, we weigh the fighters before the fight. And um, I was 74k at the time. I was eating well. I was training well. And, like, Paul was like, what the fuck? Why are you weighing so heavy? And I was like, uh like fishy's like 78 he went he's fishy you're you're 18 years old <laughs> you know what i mean you're not losing 8k in three weeks he said to me you're not 71k by monday you're not fighting 
And I remember that weekend there was a party going on. Someone's 18th, I think it was, and I went. And obviously I went drinking a lot like that, so I was fighting. And I had one cupcake, and I remember just having a panic attack there, thinking I'm not going to make 71k on Monday. There's no way in hell I'm making 71k on Monday. And I remember waking up Monday morning at 72k. I was like, fuck, I'm not going to fight. I went to sauna at 8 o'clock in the morning. Went to Boots after it. Got a receipt saying 71k. Drank some more water before the gym at the 10.30 class. I went to Paul. Look, I'm 71k. And he went, all right. <laughs> I was like, oh, fucking hell. I just stressed myself out that much to lose that weight. And he was like, oh, but to him, good that he did that because that got me disciplined there. And that was the best cut I've ever done. Woke up on weight that time. I mean, what were you fighting at? So if you're... Were you find a 66 or something? Yeah, 66. I was going to say, I thought you were going to weight when you said that. I was thinking, fucking hell, you're going down to 61 no, from no. 74. I'm thinking, fuck, that's brave no. for a debut. <laughs> no, no. I think you just trying to scare me at the time. Like, because our to. gym used, used to have a, like, to be frankly honest with you in Kansas, our gym used to have a bad habit with weight cuts and stuff like that. And that's probably our best thing now. You know, people like Paul Rizzo came into the gym revolutionised the way we train. We've always been very technical gym and a very game gym, but we used to like our food too much when I first started and that's been absolutely kicked out of us now. Now, this is always an interesting sort of point. When you've got this sort of gym where you've got these reputable sort of stars, the UFC guys and also a lot of Cage Warriors talent as well, how do you find that as an amateur in the sense of building up sensibly at a steady pace instead of trying to Russian catch up, but how do you find your specific journey in line with everything else that's going on? It was quite overwhelming at first. I'm not going to be completely dishonest here, but it was. It was overwhelming. Not 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 necessarily like Pazzy and Fish, you know, the bigger stars, but you know, like people like Nathan Fletcher and Liam Malloy. I I started when they started, and like, you know, I was at my first fight, and they were like four and all, and I was like, fuck. You know, I need to start getting my shit together, but everyone's path's different. Everyone's path's different, and I learned that very quick. Because then there's people who have probably looked at me in the gym and being like, wow, is he doing better than me? Blah, he's this belt, and I'm only this. But that's just the way it is. You, you've got to have that tunnel vision of just yourself and, you, and your coaches, really. You help your teammates out, but you don't compare yourself to them. That's it's, It just starts anxiety and delusions and stuff like that, because... One thing that martial arts has told, taught me that I didn't know, and you could probably attest to this yourself, is that no matter who you are, there'll always be someone bigger and better than you, no matter who you are. Well, this is it. There's so many different areas to compare yourself, and it gets so toxic, I can't help but feel. It's that sort of because there's so much to, comp- to compare. Like, if you try and compare yourself to fishy, I mean, again, yeah. everything's <laughs> different in that sense. I mean,. <laughs> Different haircut from the start, we'll go with that. And again, yeah, you're thinking, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. different age, different build, everything, and you try and compare like their performance, like it's worlds apart anyway. Yeah. Like, why are you going to do it to yourself? And it's this whole thing of because it compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today, and this yeah. kind of thing. And it's a really interesting yeah, yeah, one. And on top of that, then, with your perspective in this kind of thing, has that come from your own sort of development? Is it something you've had from other people you spoke to people about? Or is this something you've just kind of I don't know, I figured out. Um, I think people have taught me a lot of things that I listen to, podcasts and stuff like that. 
teammates in the gym. Adam Ventry helped me out a lot with that because I used to be quite open with him because we did fight camps together and obviously he's a pro and stuff like that. And he had taught me some of the lessons he had, mistakes he had made as an amateur. And that was one of them, to not compare himself to other people too much because you're not them at the end of the day. And with that then as well, because our mutual friend Jonathan, are you also um, in the same course as him as well, studying? No, I'm, I'm on biology. He's on sports science, I believe. So how are you finding that as well? So you're studying and also training and everything yeah. else on top of that. How are you finding that sort of balance? It was. T- this is literally one of the reasons why I had to stop fighting because it just. I'd finished my first year and it was all going well, and then and I noticed a slight drop in my grade starting second year, so I've just had to knuckle down now and start. I've got my grades up, and it's sort of my enjoy. I, to me, fighting's not everything. I do enjoy science as well. It's something I've enjoyed since I was little. Um, something I want to be doing for the rest of my life. I just like martial arts. But it was harder first to try and balance the two out, you know, trying to get in the morning sessions with all the best fighters and stuff like that. And then you come in the night sessions because you're about uni all day and you get stuck with some crab or something like that. It was his first lesson because you turned up two minutes late. And, you know, it's kind of a waste of a wrestling session, you know what I mean? And this is where it gets quite tricky as well, getting that kind of discipline. And I think as well, when you've got sort of student discipline versus real world discipline there's quite a almost worlds apart really when you're sort of hung over showing up to your lectures whatever time and then you're yeah. also you know going into I think next gen are quite strict in their time aren't they you've got to be there on the yeah. nose otherwise you can't train and such how yeah. do you find that um you've got to try and have a good relationship with the people you know what I mean <laughs> if you never if you never fuck up in any way sorry for the language but you're 10 rounds and you're like, you just gotta be honest with them and say, Listen, I'm sorry, I've just came from here. And sometimes, you know, you might, might get a little weird enough or something like that. But if you're a regular, you should be okay. I mean, it's a tricky one because, again, it should just be a standard. And again, life sort of happens. So you've got to have yeah. that balance somewhere. So, mm. with everything going on, then, word on the street is there's some sort of charity event that you might be involved with. So what what does that yeah. entail? With this charity uh, thing? Well, it, it was my idea initially, and uh, I just wanted to raise money for the NHS because during the peak of the pandemic, obviously there was all this uproar of lack of PPE for essential workers and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm not fighting. I'm literally wasting my time during this lockdown. I thought I need to do something with my life. I hate, I hate running as well. I can't exclamate that enough. I absolutely hate it. Thought to myself, why don't I run a marathon then? <laughs> so I made the idea and let you put it up and saying, listen, I'll raise money for the NHS. And a few lads messaged me. They're like, oh, I'll be up for that. What's 18 up and I'm doing it? It was like, oh, it's uh, 12 weeks from now. They're like, yeah, come on, we'll do it. And then we have to just phone another four weeks. But, but then this lad messaged me called Connor, Connor Cummings, and he was like, do you want to sort something out? We'll call it the Rona Road. Now, regards to the website and all Sorry, that. Sorry, you but... finished. Yeah. No, no, go on, I'm finished, basically. That's a bit of a pause there, yeah. But when it comes to, first of all, the title was perfect. Now, <laughs> regards of marathon, is that just a specific goal you've wanted to do anyway? Is this something that's been quite specific? Because, again, it's normally part and parcel with these sort of 
big endurance task is kind of you know something people really aim for is that something you've always wanted to do anyway is this something you uh, in the yeah future? it is ultimately i want to do ironmans and ultra marathons and stuff like that it's something that i didn't even realize i wouldn't do i always wanted to just do it just to say i got it done because it is a mental challenge i'm all into even when i even when i fought in the cage it's not to beat the opponent necessarily i won't come out and have this big ego saying ah oh, i'm here to smash this guy i've got every respect in the world for that guy getting in the cage with me i want to beat myself um a marathon's the toughest way you can beat yourself because your mind will want to quit and i've noticed that in my training like there's times where you just start making you make valid excuses but you, you can't succumb to them if you know what i mean I mean, there's always that sort of back and forth with yourself of, oh, I'm uncomfortable, my body wants me to be preserving, make sure I don't injure myself, don't get hurt, don't get tired. But the rest of you is like, okay, I need to push through, I need to get to this next step, I need to get these sort of inch by inch and make sure you get to where you want to get to. And that whole mental perseverance is really important. I think, I don't know, it really resonates, I think, with a lot of people as well, when you say that you want to beat yourself, you want to get, it's a battle against yourself in a mental sort of point of this is who you've done the count for. Like the person in front of you is just a formality. Like you've done yeah. all this work anyway. In regards to your mental toughness and how you've developed this kind of mindset, where has that come from? Is that something you've independently found out? Is it something you've looked for? Is it something you fell short in the past from? Where's this sort of, I don't know, come from? Um, through lack, lack of it, to be fair. Through lack of mental toughness. And I think that's a beautiful thing because um, it was something I was never good at. Like one of those stories, you know, when you get um, like Michael Jordan when he was in school, he got told, oh, you can't, you can't play basketball or whatever. I don't actually know the story. Anyway, he got told he couldn't play basketball. And, you know, the, the rest is history. And I'm not saying in any way comparing my mental toughness to Michael Jordan's it's basketball one of the same. ability. But it was, yeah, it was just, it was just something I was terrible with. I had terrible discipline. As I said before, drinking four liters of Pepsi Max a day. Takeaways and just yeah, just just all stupid stuff and and that's where it came from is by being bad it and then that momentum that I got from MMA I've tried to keep and keep going with it and listening to people like David Goggins and Ben Greenfield and Joe Rogan they just inspire me like literally inspire me. I didn't want to say David Goggins. I waited for you to say it. <laughs> Because yeah. if, if you want to do buds three times with no feet and no bones and all the rest of it, do world record yeah. pull ups like six times every day, he's fucking mental. Like, have you heard? Um, and I, and I'm, it... I'm worrying about my little knee injury or something like that while I'm on a half marathon. Think, fuck off, shut up. <laughs> no, this is something I always argue about. I get it; it's impressive that he ran when he was injured and his skin was falling off, but you don't read about how much he fucking had to struggle with it afterwards. Like, it's all well and good, like in the moment, you know, I did it, but. People got to go to work. <laughs> People got to live, and you got like yeah, fucking back and knees. And I don't give a shit if you've done that. I think all well and good, but I'm not. I've got to go to work on yeah. Monday. <laughs> so have you heard yeah. of um? Was it Ross, Ed- Ross Edgley? Uh, yeah, I have heard of him, but I've never listened to any of his stuff. Man, listen to him on um. Is he the guy who? Go on. Yeah. Is he the guy who swam around the UK? He is, and he lost most of his tongue because yeah. of the salt and shit. And um, what else did he? Oh really? my god. Is he towed a mar- sorry, towed a car the length of a marathon? All this kind of stuff. He's fucking mental. But yeah, if you get a chance, I think he's been on Joe Rogan a few times. I mean, he's it's more one of the same for like you know, you get a lot of the endurance people who are like you know mental toughness and discipline and this that and the other. 
Um, regards of where you find your mental toughness, is that from a place of, I don't know, is it exceeding your expectations? Is it feeling you're underperforming? Is it a case of, I don't know, where, where do you feel you get your joy from as such? I think I got my momentum from not not so much drive because I have nothing. To, I have no petrol to drive from. I was emptying gas. I was down, and it was just a, I didn't realize it. But when I was younger, and even at stages of me like I was down in the dumps, it was just a, in my eyes, it was a bit of a waste. And it was through entering like you know what I mean, flow states, you know, then type of places where you kind of. You forget about everything and you just go. And I started to realize I'd find that in a lot in places that I like. And I'd over, like, at first, when I was 18, it'd be going out and stuff like that. Like, you wouldn't think for a few hours. Just go out and you neck of bears or whatever. That means kissing. Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> and um, you'd, you'd love the night and then, you know, training MMA, you know, like two, three hours would go past like 30 minutes. And, I kind of started chasing that high, if you know what I mean. And I think the big, big thing that accelerated me growth with mental toughness was starting to meditate. It's something that I do religiously. I do about an hour a day now, honestly. And it's the best thing for me because it just clears my mind out. It makes me know what I'm going to do next. And it makes me feel present. And that's something that, when I do meditate sometimes, I always have different types of meditation sometimes just on my breath, sometimes what I'm doing today, and, like, it just gives me some clarity in my mind just to know what I'm doing next. And, like, I've seen a good quote today. I was reading in a book, and it was said, um, it, was about, it was about pain and suffering, and the difference between pain and suffering is that pain is a feeling, and suffering is the attention to that feeling. And once you realise that pain will go, this too shall pass, the suffering becomes a lot easier. And that's what I've realised is the biggest part of my mental toughness. There's so much in that I really want to sort of break down as such. I mean, a word you use there which I think is really important is present. And a lot of people will coast, a lot of people will be, I don't know, going through the motions as such. But to then be present and being aware of what you're doing and being engaged with what you're doing is another conversation. So what does being present mean to you in the sense of, are you being aware of how you're feeling? Are you being aware of what you should be doing? Is it a goal assessment? What does being present mean to you? Um, I, I feel like for me personally, it's when the mind just becomes empty and you don't know. You just, I can't describe it. I know in science that it's... Um, reading biology and physiology and stuff like that it's usually alpha brain wave states that it is induced by a flow state but it's like you don't notice things you just do it you just enjoy it like i think i'm in one right now on this podcast like i've just looked it's 23 minutes and like feels feels like an eternity and that's a good thing to me because i was gonna say <laughs> all right so it feels like for ages fucking hell we're not done yet <laughs> no in a good way like you know time just stops if you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and then when you look back you'll think well that was quick it's just a, it's a weird thing like time just that I think that's what being present is time doesn't exist anymore <laughs> it's just completely it doesn't make sense anymore the past the future it doesn't exist you just be now and you're enjoying it 
now there's again there's so much in this so the concept of time as a construct and this thing of oh, i'm not going to go on this massive like philosophy tangent but let, <laughs> let, let's let's take a bit of a stir back to where we were in the first place with this so your meditation then what does meditating mean for you in the sense of are you allocating time you're sitting down in the dark room with a cross ankles sort of you know just sort of i don't know <laughs> thinking yeah. about world yeah. and spirituality is it a case of you're assessing your feelings at the time is it goal orientated to try and visualize success what is your meditation looking like literally everything that you said there literally i'm always researching different types i've obviously done i started off with just breath work just in for out for and then box breath work in for hold for out for out for and just stuff like that and i've st- i've there's all different types of meditation. There's sometimes I wake up in the morning or before bed, I'll think about my goals for the day tomorrow or what I've done today. I'll have ones where I try to visualize biting or something like that or running. Um, I'll have ones where I try and sympathetically activate myself, no, no, pump myself up through like Wim off breathing or something like that. That's really something that amps me up and gets me ready but the ultimate aim of meditation anytime I do it is just to whatever I'm doing at that moment whether it's planning for the day out trying to pump myself up or just literally focusing on my breath and trying to be present now that in itself is really important and I like how you're sort of saying about sort of sympathetic and kind of parasympathetic kind of sort of nervous systems and again being conscious things being conscious and doing things subconsciously and getting certain habits like even like active meditation, like well, training is in that kind of, you're spending this time focusing on the task at hand and nothing else. Like that kind of active meditation, I think is so refreshing. I think that's why a lot of people benefit from, I don't know, the sort of stress side of the world and then taking that out in a even more stressful environment and they're feeling better for it. It's a funny one. And on top of that then, it's, I don't know, creating these pathways to deal with certain things. Like a big thing... Like I've done with my sort of, I don't know, mental side is a lot more reading like philosophy, like Jordan Peterson stuff and other sort of philosophers. And it's creating these pathways to deal with problems that come up. And I don't know, I think that's something that's really benefited me. In regards to meditation, I've spoken to a lot of people who really speak very highly of it. Now, when it comes to your fight days as such, do you meditate then? Do you do it on the day itself in the changing rooms? Is it something you do quite privately in your own time? What are your... How often do you do it as such? In back when I did fight, because it was about a year ago now, um, mm. the times that I did fight, um, I didn't really know what meditation was in, in depth. Like, to me, it was kind of... Uh, like I don't even know the way to describe it. Like, ooh, meditation. But and, and so before that, I didn't, I didn't even realise it. I was putting myself into a meditative state. I was always focusing on my breath as I was fighting. I was I was trying to not think. That that's the biggest thing. Just trying to because your mind is your best friend and your worst enemy at the same time. And I think that's the problem with a lot of. I'm not saying every single one of these, but a lot of mental illnesses nowadays is people are just getting punished by their own minds and they forget that. It's also the friends, and it's also the best thing it can be for you is literally nothing. It's just when you sometimes, like fight day for me, 
was we do the same thing all the fight team. We go to a, a place called Chemo's. We eat rice and chicken and naan bread or whatever. And then we drive to the place. We, I, I might get warmed up a little bit earlier than everyone else get laughed at because I'm too amped up. And then I'll sit there, I'll put my earphones in, and I'll just walk, focus on my breath. And actually, that's one thing I've done. And I didn't even realise it was meditation. So it just came to mind. Before every fight, I've said to people, oh, I'm, go- I'm going to the toilet now. I'm, you know, I need I need to have a poo or whatever before I go out. And I don't. I just sit there and I focus on my breath. And that's worked every time. <laughs> that shit works. And again, <laughs> it's one of those, though. Like, I think wording is very interesting because when it comes to meditation and, you know, mindset visualising... It sounds very wishy-washy. It sounds very spurious. It sounds very like, you know, that knob at the party tells you about like being spiritual and stuff like that. You think, oh, fuck it now. Someone's been to Thailand and yeah. found himself under a waterfall. But, but realistically, <laughs> it's like, like when you sat there, like, you know, stressing out and trying to understand things, like that's the time to really do this kind of stuff and call it what you want. But ultimately, it's prioritizing your mindset and how you're feeling about things and dealing with it. Because if you're not going to, I don't know, I, I see it as, if you're going to get a nutritionist for your diet, if you're going to get a, a trainer for your skill work, if you're going to do running for your cardio, why would you not do stuff for your mental state? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just need to give that kind of value and it's quite hard to appreciate. And I feel a lot of people need to, I don't know, fall short because of it to appreciate it. And a lot of what... They, 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 they stigmatise it, don't they? Just like that idea of where, oh, I'm fine, I know I'm going to be a champ. Okay, but if you really truly want to be a champ, wouldn't you take that little extra level? No, no. I I, 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 I listen to Joe Rogan. That's what like. <laughs> just think you know it all, and to know to to know that you know nothing is better to know than you think you know everything. Who said that? Was that Descartes? I can't think who it was. But anyway, um, it's one of those sort of. So concepts. I've just made it up. That's all. But... <laughs> No, it's, 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 it's a thing about consciousness. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's not cogito ergo sum. That's some something. That's um, I think I know that. Think therefore I am, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this is um. I listened to Eckhart Tolle on um, Russell Brand the other day. It's a good podcast. To be fair. Are you plugging other podcasts than my podcast? The cheek of it. Okay. Um, uh, actually, uh, no. You have to subscribe to that Luminous. Do not go on it. <laughs> there we are. Nice little, nice little save there, it's all good. But yeah, it is interesting, that kind of concept of accepting you don't know is a huge step in, you know, understanding things. And I'm trying not to say no too many times because then it just gets overwhelming. Yeah. And it becomes interesting. Like take MMA, for example. Take day one beginner. They see Conor McGregor, they think, fucking, that's all I need to do. So in their world, that's all it takes because they don't know what they don't know. They go there, they get schooled by stuff they don't even know, like basic stuff, double legs and that and the other thing. Okay, what is this? So then they now know that's another thing, but they didn't know they didn't know that. But people think for some reason, once they've got to this first hurdle, that's going to be the last one. And it's a very thin line. This is where things get so awkward, I feel. This, this weird balancing act between trying to be humble but also trying to be confident, but also trying to be aware, but also trying to be accepting the fact you're not aware. And this whole middle ground, this whole, I don't know, it's interesting side, because you hear people in the same breath say they want to be the best in the world, they are the best in the world, to, I'm a student, I just want to learn. And which one is it? Yeah. <laughs> it should be both. Balance, isn't it? Exactly. 
He's trying to understand the philosophy behind that balancing, you know, every single science that there is out there, social sciences, um, biology, chemistry, physics, and even in just MMA, it's like a science itself, the training, the fighting. Like, if you go out there and you just go 100 miles an hour, no matter who you are, you're not going to last that long. You know, there's people like, you, you, the perfect example is Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, fast starter, explosive, knockout power. Nate Diaz, slow starter, keeps the pace on you for a long time. Not really a high pace, but he keeps it on and he pushes on and pushes on. I think that's why in the first fight you saw the result that you did. I mean, I think the real point there where Conor really stood out for a lot of people and even the people, even the more seasoned fans who didn't like the casuals, gave Conor McGregor a lot more like credence for this point because he went from the one size fits all style that's got him there, got him through cage or he's got him to where he was at that point. Yeah. He came up short, but then he not only did he go back to Nate Diaz straight away, but he re- rechanged his style, he tweaked things, he showed yeah. he was willing to adapt, and now that sort of level of maturity is really important, especially when it gets to that higher level. And that's where it's even more respected at the higher levels where they can make these changes. Because again, to completely change a beginner's game doesn't really mean a lot. Because again, they don't know, they don't know. And But whereas if you get someone higher, they think they know. But to yeah, try and... This is what go... annoys me. The whole... The, the hatred on people like that. Like, who are just willing to learn. Like, what, why? He's not done yet. Who's to say he's done? People, like, even... In science, there's Nikola Tesla, when he was alive, was laughed at by everyone. And it was about 50 years until he actually died. That was when people started to appreciate his work. I'm not saying that people would appreciate Conor McGregor's work or anything like that. It's not the comparison to make. I'm just saying, just because he's lost his last two fights, people are like, oh, he's done. He was a know-it-all. Who's to say he's not right now just absolutely doing privates with Eddie Bravo on the sly or something like that, trying to find a way to submit Khabib if there is a way. You know what I mean? There's, there's levels to that mental toughness, and I think he's he's one of the greatest in the game for it, honestly. I mean, it's a funny one, and I always make it very clear. I like Conor McGregor. I don't like his fans. I don't like the casuals. Yeah, Conor McGregor is in himself as a fighter and everything else. Love it. Absolutely spot on. You know, successful charismatic all this kind of stuff his fans are just dirty rotten casuals who just sort of you know yeah. ruin the sport but that's not another conversation for another day mm-hmm. but the the biggest issue you'll find with someone like that is because they're so like far in the spotlight it's almost it gets rid of that opportunity to learn it sort of mm-hmm. tarnishes that because if you want to make a mistake in the gym that's the place to do it no one really says anything you kind of just you know trial and error and that's fine and then when it comes to competing, even on a smaller scale, like the mistakes I made in my amateur debut, they haunted me for ages. But <laughs> I don't think anyone in the world, <laughs> not everyone in the world, has seen that fight. Not everyone in the world cares about that yeah, fight. Okay. So, regardless of that margin for it, doesn't really matter too much. Whereas Conor McGregor makes a mistake in his fight against Cowboy Cerrone or I don't know, yeah. Khabib or whatever. Everyone's gonna, everyone's got a fucking opinion. I'm thinking I couldn't deal yeah, with that. Yeah. It's like I have friends who are like, oh. Connor's shit on the floor, isn't he? It's like Luke Rockhold and DC turned around and said that Khabib ragdolls them. Khabib's just that good. 
but that's it. Sometimes people can't accept it in, in sport. I think MMA is so brutal for it, and in boxing as well. Like, you know, in football, you've got great footballers. I don't know if you're a football fan or not, but you've got, like, your Messi's, your Ronaldo's. Say mm. Messi's Khabib. All right, Robert Lewandowski, unbelievable footballer. He's no Messi. No, people don't say that. They just say, no, Robert Lewandowski's good. Why can't Conor McGregor be the Lewandowski of, of MMA? <laughs> you just got to make that comparison all the time and say, no, he's just he's shit on the ground, though. Well, I'll tell you, on that same point, I'm going to start to tweak it a bit. So, here's a point. So, Lewandowski, world-class forward. Is he a better forward, better player, better footballer than Wojciech Szczesny? Is he a better player than Manuel Neuer? Now, they play a different position. But they're still, their relevant skills for what they're doing is phenomenal. But which one's better? Mm. And the answer is you can't answer it because it's not it doesn't make yeah. sense. And that's kind of the point with a lot of MMA. It's like MMA math. Yeah. Like how can yeah, you be yeah, distinct, yeah. distinctly better than someone when there's so many areas to it? Like what what outweighs what? Does someone strike? If your striking's at a ten and mine's at I don't know a five, but my grappling's at a ten and your strike your grappling's at a five, which one yeah. takes priority? <laughs> and it's all very yeah, spurious. Yeah. It's all up in the air. So it's very I don't know. It's a funny one. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, it's something you've got to accept, isn't it? Just some fans, fans will be absolute knobheads. Fan, really fans and in inverted commas. Now, yeah, fans, where yeah. can people find your charity link? Your just is it just given? You got go from me. What page have you got? No, we've got, we've got a website as well. Um, theronarun.com. It's on. I'm Callum Smith Funk on Instagram. If you go on my Instagram, the Rona Run page is there. The Rona Run 2020 on Instagram and on Facebook. And theronarun.com. And if you go on there, there's all different types of challenges you can do from marathons, half marathons, bike rides. You just pay the pay the fee. Like the, the highest number one is the 26 quid one for the marathon. You pay the fee. Well, hopefully trying to get T-shirts and a medal sorted and 100% of the donation goes to charity. Only so the profits, sorry, goes to charity. So our GoFundMe page, we have a trying to raise 2,500 at the moment for the NHS workers, for the PPE. But obviously, what's, our original goal was 10K, but what's going on in the world? People aren't as inclined to donate that money. So once we make that 2,500, I want to make this run run thing a more long-term thing. And I'll run a marathon every month while training MMA for this. I want to raise money for Yemen. I want to raise money for domestic violence abuse. And I want to raise money for the Black Lives Matter cause because this isn't just the, the year of oh, COVID-19. So much has happened. It's been a, a shit show over the year. And we need to get people active. Like, it pisses me off so much that people think that making a part by putting an Instagram post up like you're not there's two two things that mean a lot in this world not social media it's money and time and time's the most important if you can if you don't have the money it doesn't matter I don't have the money give your time I'm, I'm stint you know what I mean? I'm a student I'm living out at the moment but that's why I turned around and said you know what I'm gonna fucking I'm going to run four hours straight while thinking of all these people who are going through absolute tragedies at the moment and raise money for that for the people who do have money, who don't have the time, who can donate. So that's what I mentioned. I, I want this road run thing to be more than just a charity. I want it to be long-term. 
a way for people to get an outlet to really make a difference. I mean, that's why it's really important. That's why it really resonated with me when Jonathan was telling telling me about your cause and what you're doing and so forth. And again, it speaks volumes the way you've the passion when you were saying all that, in the sense of the amount that's going on, and that want to make a difference. Because again, this thing this is where a lot of people come from. Because again, you get the virtue signalers, you get the people who want to jump on the bandwagon, but some part of that hopefully comes from a place of wanting to help. And as much as putting a meme up on your story about why yeah. Boris is a cunt or. I don't yeah. know why everyone's a racist but you and all this kind of stuff. I'm thinking if you want to actually make a difference in some like constructive way, supporting a cause like this is definitely there. And, and this is where it's very important to highlight that for everyone listening, to support a cause, you don't have to necessarily donate if you can't afford it. You can share a post, you can raise awareness without having to spend a penny and just being mm. part of that. That's all it needs. If you are not interested in supporting buying a product from a small company, share the page at least. If you want to support yeah. this sort of cause, share it, tell people about it, let people know. I mean, it doesn't cost anything. And that in itself is, it could be priceless. This is, it's another thing as well, not just with charities, it's with, you know, this whole, it's like a pandemic in itself, the mental health thing. And like, you can put up all you want. I'm here if you want to talk to me and all like that. I pretend to be a good person so you can get them little applause and your likes on Instagram. Why don't you message someone? Say, how are they? How are you doing? And, you know, as you're saying with charities, you know, making a conscious effort to try and promote things, to try and make a difference. Not just putting a post up just so you get likes. Just try and make a difference. Use some of your time. That's what it is, isn't it? It comes down to time. I mean, this is it as 